Good singing. Imagine what heaven is going to be like. Good to see one of my province mates here. See Christopher Clayton, is it? Good to have you all the way from the alligator state of Florida. Bring any alligators with you? No, okay. Next Sunday is Father's Day. I was jokingly telling Brother, hang on, maybe we ought to double the number of people that we recognize. You know, we'd recognize the ten outstanding people. You know, then we'd recognize the ten standing out people. You know, some people love to stand outside during the service. Never, you know, whenever I drive by the seven-day Advent church on Saturday, I notice that usually there's about as many people on the outside as there is on the inside. I guess they're really keeping the law. They're keeping on the outside. And I asked Brother Brother Engai, I said, maybe maybe we ought to uh, we ought to take a vote and include fellas like Demas and Judas and Thomas and Demetrius and, and uh, Diotrephes, I should say, and Archippus and Esau and some of those fellas because it seems to me that we we have a few of those around too. Be that as it may, that's not part of my message. That's just all for free. Turn, if you would, please, to the book of Hebrews chapter 9, verse 20, uh, 27. And uh, it's going to be kind of just a starting place. Tonight I'm going to bring a message on what reservations do you have? I didn't say what reservations did you make. I didn't ask anything like that. I just just asked you what what reservations do you have. <clears throat> Shall we bow our heads in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts tonight and take the Word of God that is given tonight. Touch the hearts of men and women, young men, young ladies, boys and girls, you promised that your word would not return unto us void, but it would prosper wherein it was sent. And Father, if you can bless the tracts that are given out that people come to church with no other invitation than just to receive a tract, how much more when people make an effort to come to hear the word of God and it is preached, or it's through the preaching of the word of God that you have been pleased to save people. Blessed we pray the word of God tonight for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now we are, most of us are fully aware of the necessities of flight reservations. Now in the Philippines you can't make reservations, at least I never have. You can't make reservations without a ticket. In the United States you can make reservations without a ticket. You cannot get on the plane without a ticket, and you cannot get on the plane without reservations. And so we're aware of the necessity of uh, flight rev uh, reser reservations. And uh, when Mrs. Schott and I went to Europe a couple of years ago, we had reservations that somebody else made for us. And that was a real blessing because everywhere we went, we had a hotel. Walked up to the counter. You know, my natural fear and everything is, I wonder if they have my name. And uh, walk up to the hotel in, in London or in France or in Frankfurt. And lo and behold, they didn't pronounce my name right, but uh, I'm accustomed to that. And uh, I had a reservation. Somebody made it for me when we got ready to go on the train. And the train was going to go under the English Channel. And, uh, well, it was good to know that I had reservations on the thing. And I didn't have round-trip reservations, but just one way. And uh, But uh, everywhere we went, we had reservations. Now, I want to ask you tonight, 
What reservations have you made? Now, it's a difference between what someone else does and what you do. What reservations have you made? Or what reservations, I mean for eternity. We're talking about eternal things now. Have you made any reservations? Have you thought about it? Have you done anything towards it? Or are you like the old Missouri farmer? When I talked to him about in over in the book of Psalms where that it says, Oh Lord, my heart is fixed. And I asked him, I said, called him by name, and I said, Is your heart fixed? And he looked at me, and with a typical Missouri answer, he said, Son, I'm fixing to get fixed. <laughs> as far as I know, he never did get fixed. <laughs> but be that as it may, what reservations have you made? And this is very, very important, because whether you make reservations or whether someone else makes reservations you have reservations you do have reservations you may not know it but you have reservations and it is not a good thing to let someone else make reservations for you if you don't see about your reservations yourself now that's true down here, and it's true more than that up there. Now, first of all, I want you to notice that the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Now that's as far as we're going to read, but that will tell you that you have an appointment you have a reservation when you are going to die. Now, you do not know when you're going to die. <clears throat> Doctor tells us we've got terminal illness and we just immediately believe him, but sometimes they're wrong. Sometimes they're wrong. But they're always right because every one of us have terminal illness. Every one of us are going to have a termination one of these days. We've got an appointment. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. The question is, have you left all of your appointments, have you left all of your reservations for eternity up to God? Now this is the attitude of the people all around us where we live. They say, well, God will do what he wants to do. Well, if I'll go to heaven, I'll go to heaven. If I won't go to heaven, I won't go to heaven. And they just let it go at that. They, they have a, a fatalistic attitude towards their life. And yet we find that the Bible is full of these make reservations. If you turn with me, please, to the book of Matthew in chapter 7 and verse 13. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13 through 14. In this passage of Scripture, it says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Verse 14. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth into life, now look at this next statement. Not only and few, and few there be, but I want you to notice those last two words. It says, few there be that find it. Find it. When I get a drink of water, you think on that. Are you looking for it? So many people think that the narrow way is like the broad way. You just kind of stumble into it. No, my friend, the narrow way, the straight gate, is to those who find it. 
who find it. We look for it. We search for it. We lay hold on it. We make sure that we have it. We make sure that our life agrees with what the Bible teaches that a person has when he is born again. So it is with God's Word. God tells us of the reservations. Now I want you to notice with me please the the reservations made for sinners. It uh, may come to a surprise to many people but it is not a secret that God has made reservations for all sinners. This is true from the foundation of the world. God has made reservations for those people who do not take time and make reservations for their own eternal salvation. Now I want to read it to you. In the book of Job, chapter 21 and verse 30. In Job 21, 30. Bible scholars believe this is the first book that was ever written. That the wicked is reserved to the day of destruction. This is what it says that the wicked is reserved to the day of destruction. They shall be brought forth to the day of wrath. Who shall declare his way to his face? And who shall repay him what he has done? I want you to notice in verse 30 that the wicked is. Underline that little word, is. Don't be like my president. Well, it depends on what you mean is. Uh, They shall. No need of asking what does shall mean. This is what God has to say. And God's word always stands. It stands true. Turn, if you would, please, to the book of Naaman. Nahum, the little book of Nahum. If you've got a Schofield Bible, it's on page 952. You'll find it shortly after Jonah. You'll find it not too far away from, uh, from Daniel, a little bit. Nahum chapter 1 verse 2. God is jealous, and the Lord revengeth. And the Lord revengeth, that's twice mentioned, and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance, that's three times, on his adversaries, and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. Now, if you have not made reservations for yourself, God already has made reservations for you. In the States, we have what is known as guaranteed reservation. If you're going to have a reservation in a, in a hotel or a motel, or you're going to reserve a car, or you're going to reserve almost anything, you're going to reserve it and you give them your credit card number. They give you until about 5 o'clock that evening or the day before to be able to cancel it, otherwise you pay for it. That's what you have, guaranteed reservations. And God gives us a guarantee that He has made reservations for us. Now, God can change it. God can change your reservations, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But I want you to know that if you have never taken time to make sure of your salvation, or you as a kid may have made a profession of faith, during DVBS or in a Sunday school rally or something, maybe as a young person when you had your eye on another boy or another girl and you thought by joining their church why it would help your position with them, or maybe you wanted a job and you 
you joined the church of somebody that had worked for you, or maybe you worked for somebody and you thought you'd get in good favor if you would make a profession of faith and you learned the way of salvation and you could quote the scripture and you could do this, that, and the other, but you have never taken the time personally with your life in mind, with your day-by-day activities in reference to what you are doing. You've never taken the time to seriously make reservations. You know, we need to recognize that, that God is jealous. God says you cannot serve God and mammon. Some of your hearts are after the things of the world. And you give a lip service to God. And when it comes time to get married or to get buried, why, you, you, you expect the church and the preacher and everybody to give you a Christian uh, burial and burial and, and all everything else. But my friend, listen. Are you really saved? Are you going to heaven when you die? Or is your hope in this life only? My goodness, there are so many areas of our life in our talk and in our walk and in our dress. We close our eyes to what the God, what God says in the Word. And we claim to be Christians. My friend, it's time for us to wake up and recognize that God recognizes our sin. He records our sin. And He takes vengeance on us. God cannot punish murder. He punishes the murderer. God cannot punish adultery. He punishes the adulterer. God cannot punish and He does not punish homosexuality. He punishes the homosexual. He punishes those who commit sin. You say, oh, this is derecho kayo. This is too straight. The Bible says straight is the gate and narrow is the way and few there be that find it. There's too many people comfortable in their church and in their sin. They feel comfortable. They can commit sin. They can run after sin. They can do just about anything they want to. And yet, I want want you to notice something. Over in the book of Numbers. In the book of Numbers, in chapter 25, God tells a story. He gives the background of the children of Israel. Uh, This is clear over in the book of Numbers. They're over in the wilderness. God has redeemed them from a life of bondage in sin. God has revealed Himself to them. He has given them the law. He has told them what is right and wrong. And yet Israel abode in Shittim. And the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. They were going to marry unbelievers. And they called the people under the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. That's the false gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, which is an idol. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay ye every one of his men that is joined unto Baal Peor. Now here it was in a time of revival. It was a time of judgment. A time when there were hundreds of people being killed for their sin. And behold, verse 6, and this is what is so troubling in our society today. This is so troubling even in our church is how how people can hear the Word of God and they can sit in the service of God and they can join themselves to the workers. They can have a part in the service of God. 
And like this one particular man in verse 6, And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of Israel who were weeping before the tabernacle of the congregation. This man brought this this unbelieving, idolatrous woman in, the, in Israel brought her among the congregation. Now, my friend, listen. If you're a member of this church, and you, this, this is a pattern of what you are doing, you can recognize what God is going to do. You say, what is God going to do? Well, look here. And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, He rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin. That's a spear. That's a bunkal in his hand. And he went after the man of Israel. Now I want you to notice where he found him. Into the tent. And what did he do? He thrust both of them through the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. Now, in what position do you think those people had to be in that he got both of them with one stab? I'll tell you what they were doing. They were committing adultery. In the sight of all Israel, they knew what was going on. And my friend, how many times God's people who name the name of God become so bold in their sin and their rebellion, their opposition to the things of God that God has declared. And they think they're going to get by with it. My friend, we you're very fortunate that you're living in the New Testament that you don't have a preacher running after you with a bolo. And all the people said, Oh me. How about the New Testament? What does God have reserved for us in the New Testament? Well, look at 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 4. For if God spared not the angels that sinned. My friend, you think you're better than an angel? If God spared not the angels but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved under judgment, well, what do you think? What do you think God's going to do to you? You think you can thumb your nose at God? This is what you are doing when you take an opposite stand to what God has to say in His Word. You can disagree with me. You can disagree with Brother Ingham. You can disagree with anybody you want to. But you better not disagree with God. If your Sunday school teacher is telling you what God has to say, you better agree with him. If the preacher is telling you what God has to say, this is why you need to be in a Bible Baptist church. This is why you need to be in a church that practices what they preach. This is why that in the book of Acts, when God's hand was so obvious... There were many who made a profession of faith. They believed, but they did not join themselves to the church because they were afraid. What were they afraid of? They were afraid of God's judgment. When they become so bold as to let their rebellion be known to other people in the church, in the congregation, they were afraid because they knew that God's hand was so so very Obvious and so very quick at that time. Ananias and Sapphira, they, they had a big offering one day and they came in and they pretended to give all that they had when in reality they were giving half of what they had, which was a tremendous amount. But they were make believe that they were giving all instead of, instead of just half what they were giving. And right then and there, while Peter is preaching, God kills him. First he kills the man. And the woman was gone. 
out getting her hair fixed or something, out shopping. She's doing something, putting the money in the CDs or something. I don't know what she's doing. But she was out two hours, about two hours later, she came back. She came in. Everybody looked at her and she said, oh boy, they, they know what we've given. I'm really somebody. They're going to crown me. Boy, they were. <laughs> she didn't realize what they were going to do. Peter says, excuse me, lady. Did you give, uh, did you agree with your husband to give so much money? Yes, 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 we, 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 we agreed. And he said, how is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Lord? The feet of them that have just buried your husband is coming in to take you out. And she fell down dead. My friend, if that happened here, I'm afraid we'd lose our 500 in attendance, don't you? Second Peter chapter 2, verse 9. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the just unto the day of judgment to be punished. Verse 17. These are wells without water. Clouds that are carried with the tempest. To whom the midst, the mist of darkness is reserved forever. What is a mist? I'll tell you what mist is. If you've seen any of the, if you've seen any of the Tagalog movies, or if you've seen any of the Dracula, uh, films, why in the cemetery in the middle of the night, why there's always a steam, there's always a mist in the in the darkness there, and then it gets thicker and thicker just about the time Dracula cuts their throat and sucks their blood, why it gets darker and darker. Now God says these are wells without water clouds, are they carried about the tempest to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. Where do you think people got the idea about all of these terrible things that are going to come to pass. They've made, they've made it fiction. They've made it make believe. They, the devil's trick is to make it a make believe. How many times people come and you catch them in a lie. You catch them in a hurt. You catch them in a slander. You catch them doing something wrong to you. And you challenge them on it and they, they, they get all flustered and they say, Oh, but it was only a joke. It's only, it's, it, it, I was only playing a trick on you. How many times people hide behind that? That's what the devil has taught us to do is to hide behind all of these false faces. And yet God says, I'm going to punish you. He said it is reserved. For you forever. Look at chapter 3 verse 7. Second Peter 3 7. But the heavens. And the earth. Which are now. By the same word are kept in store. Reserved unto fire. Against the day of judgment. And perdition of ungodly men. You know the environmentalists. They would have us to believe that. Man is going to destroy the earth. My friend, the Bible says it's reserved unto fire. You have a reservation. Did you know that? Look, if you would, please, to the little book of Jude. Jude only has one chapter, and in verse 6 it says, And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. In verse 13, raging waves of the sea, foaming out of their shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness and darkness forever. Verse, well, let's skip down to verse 15. To execute judgment upon all 
and to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed. Now three times that word ungodly is mentioned. And I believe the reason is is because so many unsaved people who profess to be saved, they live a bold life of sin out there where perhaps no one can see them or perhaps in their own secret world they have a ungodly life. They know that. They know there are many things about them that are ungodly, but they will not accept that they belong to the ungodly. While they cannot tell you when they were saved, and if they do have a day of salvation, their life does not show it. The Bible says they're going, God's going to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against Him. My friend, God tells us that He has a judgment reserved for us. Look at verse 16. These are murmurers. These are murmurers. Are you a murmurer? A bellyacher? A pity partier? Complainer? You complain about this, you complain about that. You complain about how long we preach, you complain how hot it is, you complain how many services we have, you complain about the dress code, the hair code, the talk code, the music code. You hate rules. You complain. Walking after their own lust. Walking after their own lust. Like the t-shirt I saw on one of the young people one day. It says in the front, it says, lead me not into temptation. I thought that's good. Except on the back it said, I can find my own way. <laughs> Walking after their own lust. And their mouth speaking great swelling words. Having men's persons in ad admiration because of advantage. Does this picture you? Spiritually are you a bitter, self-centered, egotistic, do whatever you want to type of an individual, then my friend, you better check up on where your reservations are. This is real. We're talking about reality. Let's move to something else. Of the many, many times that the word reserve and reservation is mentioned in the Bible, there is only one time that reservation is made for a Christian. Did you know that? No wonder. No wonder God says broad is the way. Many there be that go in thereat. Straight is the gate and few that find it. Why? Because God has made reservations for all of us. And almost every, well, every time except one in the Bible does God use it for sinners and not saints. All except one time. That's in 1 Peter. 1 Peter. Chapter 1. And verse 4. 1 Peter. Chapter 1. Verse 4. <clears throat> I want us just to read verse 2 through 5. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Through sanctification of the Spirit. Unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy 
hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. My friend, this reservation is made and kept by God himself. Oh, you say, well, since we're predestinated to be saved, then I reckon we don't have to do anything. Ah, Bahalana. Bible says, straight is the gate, narrow is the way, and few there be that are predestinated to it. Oh, no. Few there be that find it. Jesus said, he that seeketh findeth. He that knocketh, to him it is opened. My friend, even though the reservations are made by God himself, they're kept by the power of God. People say, well, I don't believe in eternal security of the believer. You don't believe the Bible. That's, that's the bottom line. You say, well, a lot of people disagree with you. Yes, and many are going to hell. That doesn't make me wrong. That doesn't make me right. What other people do. We, our right and wrong depends upon what God says in the book. And you and I better not look around us to the way we are going to live for God. We better look to the Word of God and let God speak to our heart. Too many people profess to be saved. When somebody offends them, they quit church. They go to another church. They turn their back on the church that God led them to. If you're not here because God led you here, you may be in the wrong pew. And if God led you here, and you get offended and you stay home, you're definitely in the wrong pew. You say, well, I'll go to another Baptist church. You're still in the wrong pew. You say, you're too egotistic. No, I'm not. I'm not egotistic. I'm just biblical. That's right. My friend, listen. It's time that we have some convictions on things. Because the way that you act is probably the way you are in your heart. Because a man, as a man thinketh, so is he. And as a man speaketh, so is he in his heart. And certainly your actions, if you don't have any convictions as to who you stand for, it's just as easy to attend a Catholic church as it is a Baptist church if it's just as easy to identify yourself with this, that, and the other, then my friend, you need to check up on are you saved? Really? Are you born again? Have you been saved? Because our reservations are made by God when we exercise our faith. We exercise our faith. First. Peter chapter 1 verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith. Through faith unto salvation. Bible teaches in verse 3 that not only is there in verse 2 grace and peace, and in verse 3 you have mercy. Now God makes our reservation. He changes our reservation. He, he takes us out of the place of condemnation and He puts us into the place of His children. He changes our reservations. We find in verse 3, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God gives us the plan of salvation very simply and plainly. 
we find the type of reservation we have is clearly mentioned here. He says to an inheritance incorruptible. In, well, let me read in first, uh, first Corinthians chapter 15. In first Corinthians chapter 15, we find in verse 42, we find where that uh, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. In verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. And in verse 54, 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptibly. Incorruptible. We're going to have an incorruption, uncorrupted body. Our body is going to be perfect. We shall be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption. And the mortal must put on immortality. Verse 54. So when this corruption shall have put, when this corruptible shall put on incorruption. And the mortal shall put on immortality. There you can find the believer's resurrection is that he is incorruptible. He's going to have an incorruptible body. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, it talks about, well, let me read it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. That you put off, talking to people that profess to be saved, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. Let me ask you this, friend. I don't care what you might say, but the people around you that you deal with day by day in school, at work, at play, at home, if I would ask them, are you saved? If I would ask them if you were saved, not them, but if I'd ask you that are here tonight, if I'd ask your friends, your acquaintances, your classmates, are you saved? Is it, are they different than you? Are they different than the rest of the friends? Have they put off the old man? And they would say no. Then undoubtedly you have not Put off the old man. The Bible says that you put off the concerning the former conversation of the old man which is corrupt. It is corrupt according to deceitful lust. Share that with Revelation chapter 21. And verse 8. In chapter 21 of the book of Revelation, verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable and murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Look, if you would, please. Not only does... First uh, Peter chapter 1 verse 4 tell us that it is undefiled in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 27. There shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And then in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 4 it says that our reservation is one that fadeth not away. Fadeth not away. You know the Bible says that Jesus is the light. In verse 23 of Revelation 21, Revelation 21, 23, And the city had no need of sun, neither of moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light. And the Lamb is the light thereof. How wonderful. How wonderful. 
we find also in the book of Jude, verse 6, how that they are under the chains of darkness unto that great day. Now in Jeremiah chapter 3, and this is getting into my conclusion. Now I didn't say I was going to quit preaching. I said this was my conclusion. Now I'm going to quit in just a minute. Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 5 Will he reserve his anger forever? Will he reserve it forever? So many of us are depending on the on the long suffering of God. We are depending on the overlooking of God. God knows my weak heart. God knows my nature. God knows this. Yes, God knows it. But you're a fool if you think God is going to just overlook your sin. Every sin that is left unpunished would drive God from His throne. God is a holy God and cannot overlook sin. Every sin of the sinner, every sin of the believer must be paid for. Either will be paid by you in judgment or it will be paid by the blood of Jesus Christ. And there are conditions that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, is going to cleanse you from all iniquity, judgment, and wrath. And that is that you are under the blood. That you are cleansed with the blood. Thou shalt call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from, not in their sin, but from their sin. And so we find in Jeremiah chapter 3, it says, will he reserve his anger forever? Look at verse 10 if you would please. Look at verse 10. God has patience and yet, and yet, verse 10, Jeremiah 3.10, and yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah hath not turned unto me. God said, even though I have given long-suffering, I have been patient, I have been withholding my wrath and my judgment upon them, I've been waiting for them to repent, I've been waiting for them to come back, I've been waiting for them to confess their sin and forsake it and confess it, and yet they have not turned unto me with their whole heart, but Feignedly. Now what does that feignedly mean? It means make-believe. In boxing. Why, you notice the boxers. They're always feigning. They're always pretending they're going to shock you with the left hand when they got the right hand ready to just knock you out. And that is the truth with sword fighters. When they have duels, and Christians, unsaved people, think they can make believe. They can pretend. They come to the altar and say, I want to surrender my life to God. They're lying. They're not surrendering. They're feigning. They're make believe. They're giving a portion. They're not giving their all. They're just saying, Yes to the Lord when in their heart they're saying no. No. The Bible says, saith the Lord. Look also, if you would please, verse 12. Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return thou backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, and I will not cause my anger to fall upon you. For I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will not keep anger forever. God said, I'm, I've been good to you. I've waited for you. I've given you warnings. I've given you warnings and warnings and still you have not returned unto me. 
Verse 13, only acknowledge thine iniquity. Confess it. Confess it. Not just quit it and then do what's right. Confess it. Many people make the mistake. They lay out on church. They don't give their tithe. They do something wrong. They never confess it. They never say, I'm wrong. They never tell God, Lord, I'm sorry. They never go to their people that they have wronged and said things about them and they've, they've done things and they've said things and they've never made it right. God is waiting. He's withholding His forgiveness until we acknowledge our transgression. You acknowledge your iniquities that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God, hast scattered thy ways to the strangers under every green tree, and ye have not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. Friend, today, secure your place in heaven. Don't be satisfied just by being a member of the church. Confess your sin. Acknowledge. People come to the front and they they feel God's judgment is about to come and they come up to the preacher and they say, Preacher said, I, I want to get right with the Lord. Okay? What have you done? Well, if I've if I've sinned, I want God to forgive me. If I have sinned. Do you ever have anybody that's done you hurt come to you and say, if I have made you unhappy, please forgive me? Bucket on if. You know you've made me unhappy. You've made you've given me sleepless nights. You've worried me half to death. And you come to me and say, if, if I've done you wrong. Husband goes out with a number two. Comes back to his wife, who's broken hearted, discouraged and disgusted. And the arrogant donkey comes in and says, if I have caused you any trouble. I didn't mean to hurt you. What in the world is wrong with a fellow like that? Let's get real tonight. Who do you think God is? Who is your God? Is He some idol on the wall that cannot see, cannot hear, cannot speak, cannot move? We've got a God in heaven. He knows everything. He can look through the darkness. He's got night vision. And it doesn't turn out green like my, my camera does. I've got, a, I've got a video camera that has night shot on it. S-H-O-T, not S-C-H-O-T-D, but night shot. When I bought it, I, I questioned the guy who was selling it to me in Singapore. I said, how, how, how dark can it be? It, it said it can be pitch black. I said, oh, that can't be. He said, I'll just show you. He got a camera case. And he put the camera on the inside and turned it on. And he put a calculator on the inside and I thought well it's getting pretty dark in there but I can see it real clear on the TV screen and so what did he do he reached over and he pulled the flap shut and my camera was in pitch black this far away from the calculator and I was seeing it on the TV screen I said that's really something I said, you mind if I try it? And he said, no, go ahead. I reach in, I open it up, and I check. Sure enough, the numbers on the calculator are the same as the ones on the on that. So I change all the numbers on the calculator, shut it again. And sure enough, it's the same, same thing. Same thing. 
Now, if man can make a camera that can take pictures in the dark, what do you think God can do? If NASA Space Center can make cameras that they can put out here in space and they can take pictures of you, what in the world can God do? Tonight, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 10. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 10. I've got it written down here. I forget what it is. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 10. Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you, you can read the rest of the chapter and see what those things are. You shall never fall. Make sure that you are saved. Shall we stand for prayer? Our Heavenly Father, speak to hearts tonight. If there is one among us who has never been saved, regardless of what other people think, regardless of what they have said, dear God, as you look down in our hearts, knowing all about us tonight, if there are people not saved, may they come and get saved tonight. And Lord, those of us who are saved, we need a church home. Help us to be a member of a church and live the life that you would have us to. For Jesus' sake, amen. Page 270, just as I am. Just as I am. We have personal workers that will work with you if you come forward and take the word of God and just show you how to be saved. Pray with you, whatever your need might be. As we sing the first stanza, first verse of Just As I Am, will you come as we sing? Verse 1. Just as I am. Is God speaking to your heart tonight? Let God have His way in your heart. Amen. Anyone else? God speaking to your heart tonight. Will you come? As we sing the next verse, will you come? Just as I am. Maybe you've never been saved. Maybe you are saved. But you need to get something right with the Lord. Will you come? No matter what others do, what are you going to do? What have you done? What reservations do you have? Are you sure of those reservations? Does your life bear it out? My friend, tonight as God looks down in your heart, He sees either you are saved or you are lost. One of the two. You are not partly lost or partly saved. You are completely lost or completely saved. One of the two. As people look at you, they look at you as they may know you or as they believe what you say or there's different reasons why people look at other people with different attitudes. Do people look at you as if you're just make-believe or you're a free thinker or you're an atheist or whether you are a agnostic or whatever characteristic the world may offer. But what does God look down and see? Never mind what you call yourself. Call yourself a Christian. Call yourself an atheist. Call yourself an unsaved person. Call yourself 
going to get saved? Call yourself a professor? God looks down and what does he see? That is what will count. Will you come? Is it fake? Is it real? I had a hundred dollar bill one time. Took it to the bank. I should say I sent it to my bank in the States. Banker wrote me back and said, it's fake. About a week later, I got a letter from the FBI wanting to know where I got that $100 bill. I wrote back and said, I forgot. I didn't tell who gave it to me. But I told the person that gave it to me that it was a fake bill. I don't know whether they ever believed me or not. They may have thought that it was real and I just kept it and said it was fake. I hope they believe me. But my friend, God looks down and he can tell whether you're fake, whether you're real, whether you're counterfeit or fit for heaven. We're going to sing another verse. Will you come as we sing? Verse 3. Just oh, about with many Salvation is a personal thing between you and God. But when you get saved, you become a brother and sister in Christ to every other child of God. Are you where God would have you to be? As a brother or a sister, are you helping others? We thank you for your attention this evening. We ask that you pray for those that came forward. God is answering prayer. God does answer prayer. In the Old Testament, Some of those old prophets, they prayed the fire down from heaven. I've never felt it my prerogative nor my, my jurisdiction to pray God's wrath down upon anybody. Except I do pray, Lord, you have your way. That person that professes to be saved, they create havoc in the church, in the Christian area. Lord, you take care of them. You take care of them. Certainly, there, there's things that, that the pastor has to lead the church in when it comes to discipline to the members of the church. But there's so many things that that you just have to leave up to the Lord. There's so many things that people can deny. So many, so many things people will say, oh, I didn't mean that. People say this, people say that, but you see, God knows. God knows your heart, God knows my heart. Let us make sure of our salvation first. And then let us make sure of our standing, our state before God. Our Heavenly Father, as we are dismissed tonight, would Thou speak to the hearts of each one of us. May there not be one individual here tonight that You do not have their attention, that they are not applying the Word of God to their heart, Lord, we pray that you would work in the lives of each one of us here tonight. Father, we ask your guidance, your blessing. We pray, dear God, that you would bless our church. Bless the people in our church. Bless as we try to reach the lost for thee. Help us that when we do reach people, to come to church that they will see and they will feel 
that there's something spiritually different about us rather than the conniving, deceiving, make-believe world in which we live. I pray, dear God, that you'd bless our church. We pray, dear Father, that you'd bless the activities of this week. Protect and just bless us in a special way in all of our actions and our activities. For Jesus' sake, amen. God bless you. Shake hands one with the other.